Today's guest waited two years to get out on the trail. He was selected as the Iditarod teacher on the trail for 2021. Due to COVID restrictions, he was unable to travel on the trail last year. He was able to continue as teacher on the trail in 2022. It was a struggle to get out on the trail for him, but he finally made it. Please welcome to the show the 2021 and 2022 Iditarod teacher on the trail, Jim Dupree. Very good. It's being the 50th anniversary of the Iditarod, we are going to start the, sh the show off with a little Iditarod trivia. We have five questions for you. Are you ready? Sure. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> Who found the Iditarod? Uh, Joe Reddington Sr. Correct. Who won the very first Iditarod? Uh, Dick Wilmarth. Correct. Who was the first female Iditarod champion? Libby Riddles. Yep. What was the closest finish? Um, it was um, Dick Mackey nosed out uh, Swenson, I believe, by just a couple seconds. Correct. Correct. Who was the oldest person to ever finish the Iditarod? Ooh, to ever finish? Um, is it Norman Vaughn? Correct. Correct. Oh, you got five sweet. out of five. All right. <laughs> Can you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure. Um, so, yeah. Um, my name is Jim Dupre. I've been the... I did a teacher on the trail for the past two years now. Um, I teach um, in Hilliard, Ohio, which is right outside of Columbus. Uh, I've been teaching third grade here at my school for, I think it's my fourth year. Um, and it's my 17th, I think, year overall teaching. Um, I've got... Um, a wife and two girls at home, and uh, I'm starting to get my uh, kids hooked on a Diderot too, which has been pretty cool. So, yeah. So you were originally selected as the 2021 teacher on the trail. What led you to apply to be the teacher on the trail? Yeah. Um, so it's something that I kind of always had my eye on. Um, it's something that I was always kind of interested in. Um, cause I've been doing, I did ride for about 15 years now. Um, but my youngest daughter is now only five years old. And so I wanted to make sure that if, and when I was selected, um, that she would be old enough and a little bit more independent. Um, so that, um, when I did leave mom, would be a little more okay with it. <laughs> so I, um, I kind of sat on it for a little while and just, um, you know, then always got to get permission from the spouse first. So asked my wife, you know, if she thought that it would be a good time for me to apply, like if she felt comfortable, you know, if I got selected, that sort of thing. And she gave me the green light. So then I started getting my application together and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, I was then selected in 2021, so. What is the process of becoming teacher on the trail? 
Um, it's kind of um, a little bit of a longer process. So I actually started filling out um, and collecting all of the things that I wanted to put together for the application about a year ahead of time. So I actually started filling out the application um, 2019, I think. It was the summer before, something like that. Um, and so, yeah, I started building um, up my lessons, making them a little bit stronger, getting lots of pictures of my kids doing the lessons that I was going to be talking about. Because um, the application itself is a pretty in-depth application, so you've got to really want it to fill out the entire application and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, once I started filling that out, I did it. It took me most of the summer to fill it out so that by the time the deadline came rolling around, which is in December, um, I had pretty much everything ready to go actually before then, um, kind of by the time school started, which was nice because then I could focus on um, teaching and not have to worry about teaching and doing the application. So it's something that I was, I've been planning out for quite a while. Um, and then, yeah, filled out the application, submitted it, um, found out I was selected as one of the three finalists, um, went up to Anchorage for the ceremonial start and the restart in 2020 uh, with the other two candidates, um, did the whole teacher conference up there, uh, got back up to my classroom two days before we were shut down for COVID, um, and then, yeah, I got the phone call that I was selected uh, a few weeks later, I think it was in April at some point, um, and yeah, I've just been enjoying every minute of it since, so kind of a long process. <laughs> As teacher on the trail, what is your role? Um, so as the teacher, um, each month the teacher on the trail posts different um, lessons and different um, things to the Iditarod.edu website. And so I've been, over my two years of doing it, I've um, done a few different themes. The first year I really stuck with um, my Moments with Mushers, which is uh, where I interviewed mushers and ask them questions going back to some of the old timers, some of the um, people that were in the very first race, which is pretty cool, um, all the way up to current mushers. So we really tried to get the whole uh, spectrum of the race over the past 50 years. Um, I've done classroom connections posts, which is basically just telling people lessons that I do in my classroom with my kiddos. Um, this year I'm focusing more on uh, the volunteers being the 50th, the race couldn't happen without the volunteers. So um, I've been interviewing a lot of the longtime volunteers, trying to get one person from each of the different positions that you could volunteer to do to help out with the race, uh, which has been incredible. Um, they've been giving lots of uh, background stories and insights, like behind the scenes type of stuff, which is pretty cool. Um, and then uh, another common one that's been running for the past two years is by Misconceptions and More, which is um, trying to just clarify some uh, misunderstandings about the race and different things like that. So um, 
that's kind of the big job, I guess, for the teacher on the trail is to post um, a few times a month to the website. Um, when you are on the trail, you're posting every single day, and then it turns into more of like a blog than anything else, I guess. Um, so just kind of updating people about what's been happening with the race, what you've been doing while you've been up there and experiencing, that sort of thing. Um, but then always tying it in with some kind of lesson prompt or teacher prompt uh, that educators can use in their classrooms. And again, that's every single day. So um, it's been pretty cool trying to integrate all of that stuff um, every day while I was on the trail. So um, that's kind of, uh, that's the big part of it. Of course, I'll Zoom with classrooms around the country if they're interested. Um, I did a whole bunch of that this past year and even more so the year before because everybody was using Zoom. So um, those are kind of the biggies for the job, I guess, for a teacher on the trail. How big of an impact do you think you have on the students when you teach them about the Iditarod? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I think that's more of a question for my kids. <laughs> um, I I hope that we have a pretty lasting impact. I mean, I do know for a fact that, um, like, I still have students who I taught years and years ago. Um, whose parents I've kept in touch with over like Facebook and stuff like that. And I mean, they still contact me and say that, you know, their kids are still following the musher that they chose back in third grade. Um, and that sort of thing. And uh, a couple of them have said that, you know, just going up to Anchorage and attending the Iditarod is now on their bucket list and that sort of thing. So, you know, Iditarod has, amazing appeal to kids um you know with the dogs and with the competition aspect and then for older kiddos like you guys like the survival aspect ties in which is pretty cool so um i'd like to think that it has a pretty lasting impact on the kids so <laughs> right before you were to head out on the trail this year you came down with covid and had to quarantine Talk to us about being stuck in a hotel with COVID and not being part of the race. Yeah, so that was um, unexpected. So, yeah, I had, and you know, I had done everything I possibly could for what is like almost two full years leading up to uh, my time in Anchorage when I was getting out on the trail. Um, you know, and then just to come down with it while I was up there, I mean, it's just how it worked out, I guess. I mean, it wasn't, you know, I was, of course, disappointed, but, you know, it's there. it was out of my control, so there's nothing I could really do about it. Um, I could have been upset and disappointed, but, you know, I tried to make the most of my time while I was quarantined, so I did um, get to Zoom with other classes uh, that I normally wouldn't have gotten that opportunity. Um, and, you know, just really was following the race, was watching all the insider videos and keeping up with it as best as I could uh, through those things and through the updates. And, yeah, just tried to 
make the best of the situation. So, um, yeah, hopefully, you know, it's like I said, it's not exactly what I had envisioned leading up to the race, but um, it's what happened. And so I tried to, like I said, just make the most of it. So, Due to cover restrictions last year, you weren't able to get out on the trail during the 2021 race. How did it feel finally getting out on the trail after missing last year because of restrictions and the start this and the start this year because you had having COVID? Um, yeah, so once I finally got on the trail, it was amazing. It was just incredible. I tried to make the absolute most of every minute that I was out there. Um, I even remember one night in Unilocleet, I didn't even go back to the bunkhouse. I just stayed in uh, at comms, right, at, right down at the checkpoint, so, and kind of slept in a chair here and there, and just tried to, like I said, make the most of every single minute, and every single opportunity, so I did not spend much time at the bunkhouse in Unilocleet, um, or when I was uh, in Nome, I didn't spend much time at the church. I was always out walking around, doing as much as I could, seeing as much as I could, um, just to get the full experience so that, you know, because I did especially miss the first part of my trail experience, I wanted to make the most of my time when I was out there. So it was incredible when I actually got out. What was your experience like flying around in a bush plane? <laughs> so yeah, that was pretty amazing. So when I got into, so my only experience flying with IAF, um, the Iditarod Air Force, the volunteer pilots, um, was when we did a run to pick up some dogs um, when I was already in Nome. So we left Nome and then we flew back to White Mountain to pick up some dogs um, from one of the mushers that had scratched. Um, and flew them back to Nome. So it was just a really quick trip, but it was amazing being able to, to fly at lower altitudes a little bit and see the trail from the sky. Um, we got to see one of the teams on the trail. I mean, from it, it was just like a little line, but you could still make out the team moving slowly on the trail, which is pretty cool. And just seeing the landscape and especially this year with so many um, weather issues and things that um, happened in the blowhole area, being able to see the blowhole and to see these areas that all these mushers were having some difficulty in was pretty cool to get to see from the sky. So um, yeah, it was pretty awesome being able to fly with uh, the IAF in a bush plane. So. Did you have a favorite checkpoint that you stopped at? Ooh, um, that's tough. I mean, I spent almost a full week in Nome, so I got to experience Nome a little bit more than any of the other checkpoints. Um, Unilocle was pretty interesting just because I'd always heard so much about the wind in Unilocle, and when we landed there, the first day, the wind was blowing. I mean, I am 
pretty solid six foot guy and with all my gear and everything and I still almost got knocked off my feet by the wind so you know just the experience that was pretty amazing (laughs) right off the bat like right off the plane so um I don't know I don't know if I have a favorite I mean getting to experience the finish was pretty cool um you know being standing there under the arch in person was incredible um so the experiences that i had in gnome i think were probably a little bit more so than um those that i experienced in unilocleate but i think it's just because of the time because i didn't have as much time in unilocleate so what was your favorite experience being a teacher on the trail oh man um I don't know if I have one favorite experience. There were a lot of really just amazing things that I got to do. Um, I got to hand the Red Lantern to um, the last place finisher, to Apaya Kratan, as she was coming down um, off the beach onto Front Street in Nome, which was amazing. Um, I got to um, get on the back of a dog sled team for like a two and a half mile uh, dog sled ride, which was incredible. Um, flying with IAF, with being just surrounded by dogs all over the place was incredible. So I don't know if I could pick just one because there are so many, um, but those might be some of the top three, I guess. <laughs> so, Did you have a prediction on who is going to win this year's Iditarod? Um, I did, I, I predicted, um, that Dallas Seavey would just because of his recent history. Um, and because I knew that, um, he had such a strong team and, you know, he was kind of, I mean, he had the target on his back this year because he has five victories. He won last year. Uh, and that sort of thing. So um, I kind of picked him as the guy to win, and ultimately he finished second. And Brent Sass just ran an absolutely incredible race. So, um, yeah, it was really cool to see them kind of battling it out all the way to the end. So, Our final segment of the show is a segment we're bringing back from our first season. It's called Mushroom Mount Rushmore. If you had to replace the four presidents on Mount Rushmore with four faces of the Iditarod, who would it be? You can pick anyone that has anything to do with the Iditarod. Okay. Um, so I guess if I had to pick four, I would start with Joe Reddington Sr. Um, without him, there wouldn't be the race. Um, I would pick Leonard Seppala. Um, I kind of, when we talk about the serum run here in class, I kind of, to give my kids an idea, I kind of call him the goat of mushing type of deal. So, um, yeah, there wouldn't still, mushing would look very different without him. So I definitely include him. Um, I would include Susan Butcher in that. Um, she really made the race a lot more competitive, um, especially um, 
for the female mushers, for the women mushers. Um, I know she wasn't the first to win, but she did win four times, and she was the musher to beat for a long time, um, for a good stretch in the 80s there. So I'd definitely include her. Um, and then I think I'd have to go uh, Rick Swenson as the uh, fourth one, I guess. He's... Uh, he had a really big impact on the Iditarod as well. Um, he's got five victories. He really brought the focus on the dog food and that sort of thing. Um, on, you know, really making the best possible dog sled team. So I think I rolled those four for my Mount Rushmore. Special thanks to Jim DePrez for being on our show today. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. Also, if you have any questions, comments, or people you would like to hear on our show, please email us at huskytalk1 at gmail.com. If we hear from you or you leave a review, we will read it on the show. We would like to also give credit to Hobo Jim for our intro song, the I Did a Ride Trail song, and our outro song, Reddit Things Run.